Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is your host, Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you. If you want to join in the conversation, and I hope you do, go ahead and give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Or you can join the conversation on Twitter at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E. Marshall or Michelle with one L Jawando. You can find us on Twitter. Please join in the conversation because as normal, if it's a day that ends in Y, there's a lot of action coming out from the Trump administration. I'm excited because in studio, I have two guests who are new to the Leslie Marshall show, but are helping me digest and talk about the breaking news of the hour that Andrew Putzer, who was uh, nominated from president, Trump to serve as the labor secretary nomination as the labor secretary is expected to withdraw from that position. His hearing is up next tomorrow, actually, before the Senate Help Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. And it is the big news of the day here in Washington, D.C. So joining me in studio to break this down and to talk about what's at stake is Rontel Beatty. He is the federal advocate at the National Employment Law Project. You can find him on Twitter at R-O-N-T-E-L-B-A-T-I-E. Rontel, welcome. Thank you for having me. And also joining us in studio today is Carla Walter. She's the director for the American Worker Project here at the Center for the American Progress Action Fund. You can find her on Twitter at American, A-M-E-R, Worker, W-O-R-K-E-R. Carla, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, so to set the stage for our listeners who may not be aware, uh, Andrew Putzer, he's the CEO of CKE Restaurants, President Trump's nominee to run the label department. He would oversee the only agency that's dedicated to helping workers and improving their worker working conditions, yet stories have continued to pour out from employees of Hardee's and Carl Juniors that he oversees a workplace full of danger, chaos, and low pay. Four Republican senators have told apparently GOP leadership that they would, would withhold 
withhold their support for President Trump's labor secretary, setting off an intense scramble. So, Carla, how did we get here in the first place? Who is Andrew Putzer? Well, he as as CEO of, of of CKE, he has been one of the most virulent virulently anti-worker voices that emerged throughout the campaign and in um in the new administration. Um he has has made a name for himself fighting against even modest wage increases for workers. He has made a name for himself being incre- the the opponent of Fight for 15, a new movement that's emerging to but from minimum wage workers in the fast food industry and low wage workers in other industries looking for both higher wages and a voice on the job. And he, he believes in in a, a fully discredited view of the way we grow our economy, trickle down economics. He thinks that by cutting regulations, by, by um, cutting taxes on the rich and by keeping wages low and having high inequality in this country, we're going to grow an economy that is somehow good for everyone. But at the end of the day, it's just good for CEO, CEOs like himself. So, Rontel, you know, National Employment Law Center, uh, you a project, you work on a host of issues. Why did you and your organization get engaged in fighting this particular nomination? Well, we can start with the mission of the Department of Labor, which is to uh, foster, promote, and develop uh, the welfare of the wage earner to improve working conditions, um, to... Um, you know, basically serve as the nation's chief advocate on behalf of workers. And Mr. Puzda's record as a CEO of CKE Restaurants uh, runs directly contrary uh, to the mission of the Department of Labor, uh, which is why we had to get involved. So one of the things that I've read about Putzer um, is that he essentially has this anti-worker, anti-woman record. Uh, He's opposed paid sick days, paid family and medical leave laws. He's fought against overtime pay increase. He's argued against minimum wage. Um, He has talked poetic about the virtues of robots versus human employees. Right. I mean, it, it is so strange to me that you see consistently this administration that seems to um, put forth people to lead agencies and who and they have spent their entire life working in opposition to the mission of those agencies. Carla? Well, I think if you only... Um, pay attention to what President Trump says. It's it's striking. It's shocking that he would break his president, uh, his promise to workers to protect them, to be a voice for them. But if you if you watch what he does, it's not so surprising. Mm. As a private businessman, he typically had problems with not paying his contractors what they wages they were owed. As president, he's already taken action and um, to roll back um, protections for working people um, to ensure that 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 companies that employ them simply obey workplace laws. He's already taken actions to freeze hiring of federal employees. He's already taken actions to to limit worker voice. So I think that that. What we see is is a, a, a president and a leader who is saying one thing, but again and again, even in these just first few weeks of his administration, is doing something else. So, Rontel, what do you know? I know that there's been some um, uh, organizing around his nomination. Um, what have some of his workers and people been engaged in this fight say on the ground about this nomination? We've heard some very troubling things from uh, workers at both Hardee's and Carl's Jr., um, even within the halls of Congress. Uh, I was at a, 
uh, a Senate hearing um, a couple weeks ago, I think back in January, where we had um, some managers um, testifying as to um, how they're required to work off the clock to complete their tasks, which mm -hmm. is wage theft. 66% um, of the women that were surveyed in a, um, you know, a survey conducted by Rock, which is a restaurant opportunity center, said that they experienced harassment uh, on the job. Um, we've also heard stories of people that have been with the company for over 20 years and have only had a wage increase of, you know, a dollar or two and mm. have no retirement. Mm. So the, you know, when you talk about nominating someone to be the, the nation's chief advocate on behalf of workers and you look at the way he has treated his own workers, you wonder how he became the nominee in the first place. You know, if you're just joining us, this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show this afternoon. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. I'm in studio with Carla Walter, director of the American Worker Project at Center for American Progress Action Fund, and Rontel Beatty, federal advocate at the National Employment Law Project. So, you know, Carla, if, if Putzer's kind of ideology, you know, of um, corporate profits over the actual workers. While that is, it sounds like he is a, a gross example of, of kind of that ideology, we know that that's not just um, an idea that he has right now with some of the kind of corporate titans that we've seen. What is this kind of anti-worker mentality um, that we see continually playing out in these kind of different examples, whether it's this labor secretary or kind of the rejection of the fight for 15, where does that emanate? Because you would think if I invest in my people, then it makes for good business. But that doesn't seem to be where so many of us are. No, and I think that I think that there is there is this, you know, I think that there are lots of CEOs who believe that and who are doing the right things, who are profit are participating in profit sharing, who are paying their workers market wages, who are respecting their their voice when they want to form a union. And for some reason though, Republicans in Washington have embraced another strategy, a strategy that they believe that by by taking away workers' voice on the job, by by pushing wages down as far as possible, our economy will grow and be stronger. Well, the, the an economy for who, first of all, That's and right. second of all, you know, we right. tried that for four decades um, prior to President Obama taking office, and all that got us, along with bank deregulation, was a lousy recession. I don't think we want to go back to that place. So the fact that Republicans in Congress and President Trump have shown that that's the, that's where they want to steer us, I think we really need to take a close look at that, and we need to evaluate all policies and the next labor nominee going forward on those sorts of criteria. So, Rontel, when we come back from the break, I'd love to get into, you know, if the rumor mill is correct and Putzer does withdraw um, his nomination to be Labor Secretary, it is very likely I will have you both back in studio <laughs> as we talk about right. the next individual. And I really want to know, what does that mean kind of for the work? Do you think this administration has learned its lesson? So let's get back into that when we're back from break. This is Michelle Jawando on The Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back after the break. And 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Always great to be with you. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C. Join the conversation, 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Or you can follow the conversation on Twitter at Leslie Marshall or at Michelle with one L, Jawando. So, Rontel, before the break, um, you know, I mentioned that, you know, if the rumors are true and Andrew Putzer is um, or does decide to withdraw from the labor sector, Secretary nomination, we will be back in this place pretty right. soon. Um, and, and I just wonder from you, what do you want this administration, what is the type of person that this administration should actually be putting forth when it comes to the type of labor secretary that we want to see? We want someone with a record and a demonstrated ability and willingness to actually care for workers and their welfare and their well-being and their, the, the welfare of their families as well. I think, um, you know, if he does withdraw and... Um, and I think what this is, this is a message loud and clear to the White House that who you nominate as a chief advocate for workers matters. Mm -hmm. And that um, the millions of people across the country that have spoken out about this, they they want their voices heard and they um, will not stand idly by while, you know, someone is being nominated to be their advocate that doesn't really care about them. That's right. Carla. Yeah, I, I mean, I can just, I, I just echo that. We want someone who has the commitment to raise wages for working Americans, low-wage working Americans, middle-wage working Americans, people who go to the work at the beginning of the day and have to bring home enough money to support their family, who worry about paying bills. We need somebody who worries about working families, who understands that that women need to be able to take time off of work, but then want to go back when they have a baby, but then want to go back and, and enjoy the rewards of working and be able to support their families. We need somebody who who understands Americans. So this um, cabinet, I think at one point was said to be the most wealthy cabinet ever assembled, um, composed of primarily millionaires, but you have a few billionaires right. in the cabinet, which is just like insane to me, right? That, yeah. Like we can have. So, I mean, to me, in some ways, kind of this being out of step with the real lives of what American workers right. need is not that surprising because their lifestyle is so completely different from the way that average working people live and their needs. It's like, how do we bridge that gap? Particularly with this administration, I know pressure and advocacy is a part of that but that just seems like such a huge gap for us to fill yeah and and frankly i i couldn't think of someone more out of touch than andy puzder he made a comment when he started at cke saying um i from now on we want people in the on at our registers who have all their teeth and that hit home to me because Mm. i early in the early in the days of the fight for 15 movement i talked to a gentleman out from oakland about what get moving from $10 $10 an hour to $12.50 meant for them when they had a, a wage increase. And he said, now I'm going to be able to afford dental work. Mm. He said, I do not have all of my teeth because I have to, when I have a tooth problem, I have to go to the emergency room and get it removed. And I cannot even afford to put teeth in my mouth. Mm. These are the wages that fast the fast food industry is paying. And he is both pushing down wages so low that people can't afford dental work, that people can't afford to, to pay their bills. And then he's saying, he has the audacity to say to his hardworking, hardworking employees, you're not good enough. Mm. 
Mm, you know, he also said, which I found, you know, really deplorable. He said that in fast food, you're competing for the best of the worst. He's talking about his employees. He said, you're not you're getting the, mi- for the best, of the, the, best worst? of the worst. He said, you're not competing for the Microsoft guys. He said at Hardee's, we're getting the worst of the worst, which to, this is very, uh, a very demeaning and disrespectful view of his employees. And he's drawing a very distinctive line of reverence between, um, you know, those in the private sector who may, you know, work for Microsoft versus those that work in uh, fast food behind his own registers. You know, the a thing my grandfather would always um, kind of instill in us is the dignity of work, right? right. You know, it, it didn't matter what you were doing. Um, but as young children, we needed to have a type of work ethic that right. someone should be able to say, you were the best garbage right. um, uh, worker. You cleaned up your room with pride. You right. finished your chores mm-hmm. on time because there was a dignity in that. Right. There was a pride. And and the fact that we would have someone who is the CEO of thousands of people with such a disdain for the people who work at his businesses. It's right. just, um, it's it's disgusting. If you are joining us, this is Michelle Jawando in on the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm in studio with Carla Walter and Rontel Beatty. We are discussing the breaking news out of Washington, D.C. that Andrew Putzer, who is President Trump's nominee for Labor Secretary, is expected to withdraw in advance of his Senate hearing on tomorrow. So this is a knock on this administration, right? This is their first big loss. Um, Would you say um, that this is a win for the resistance movement? Uh, What would you, how would you characterize this, Carla? Well, we have got a long war ahead Mm -hmm. of us, (laughs) but this is a battle that we should claim victory for. Um, Working people, Americans who protested this nominee should hold their heads high because they made change today. And I think it's shown that there's a model for making change that even the most inward-looking insular administration that that I've ever experienced at some point, and our, our elected officials in Congress have to pay attention. And they did today. That's right. Yeah. You want to tell? Uh, I couldn't agree more with that statement. I think... Um you know, over the last few months, a lot of people have sort of grown apathetic and starting to feel like their voice doesn't matter. They don't have a stake in the fight and there's nothing they can do. Today is an example that, you know, your voice does matter. And when you come together and you organize and you, you know, let your your voice be heard, um, you can have a real impact. And I think in the days to come, you know, we don't know, um, you know, who he's going to nominate next, but, you know, this is the first battle of many and you know we gotta you know tighten our our our, our boots even more and get ready for the next battle get ready for the war folks get ready for the war um i'm so appreciative of both of your time again carla walter she's the director for the american worker project at the center for american progress action fund you can find her on twitter at a-m-e-r-w-o-r-k-e-r and rontel Beatty. he's a federal advocate at the national employment law project you can find him on Twitter at R-O-N-T-E-L-B-A-T-I-E. And I'll definitely have to have you both back because we're going to have another labor secretary to discuss. <laughs> and we'll have to break it down for our Leslie Marshall listeners. Um, when we come back from the break, we're going to go into the next breaking uh, big news out of Washington, D.C., the resignation of Michael Flynn, what that means for us, Trump, Russia. I mean, it's just too much. It's just too much. This is Michelle Jawanda on the Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back after the break.
Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Michelle DeWondo on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you. And many thanks to our last guest for the conversation about the uh, expected to withdraw Labor Secretary Andrew Putzer. We're going to switch a little bit and we're going to go to the next uh, breaking news out of Washington, D.C. regarding the withdrawal, the resignation of uh, Michael Flynn as the National Security Advisor. Um, If you want to join in the conversation, and I hope you do, go ahead and give us a call at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Or you can follow the conversation online at Leslie Marshall or at Michelle with one L, Jawando. So joining me to kind of break this conversation down is none other than Mike Fuchs. He is the senior fellow here at the Center for American Progress. You can find him on Twitter at Mike, M-I-K-E. E-H-F-U-C-H-S. His expertise centering around Asia Pacific, Southeast Asia, South China Sea, U.S. foreign policy. He spent much of his career at the State Department, and we're so glad to have him here with us. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michelle. Also joining us in studio is Justin Salhani. He is a world reporter for Think Progress here at the Center for American Progress. He has been from 2010 to 2015. He spent uh, his career in Beirut, Lebanon, where he covered news, security, and politics for this Daily Star. We're excited to have him in studio with us. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. So for our listeners who may not be as familiar, uh, Michael Flynn, who is President Trump's, um, one of his fiercest advocates and supporters during the campaign, recently stepped down from the position of national security advisor. And with that resignation, there were tons of questions that remain about his involvement with Russian intelligence officers, how much the Trump administration knew about Flynn's contact with Russian officers, and whether or not Flynn was acting independently. Uh, Adam Schiff, who's the top Democrat on the uh, Intelligence Committee said that something very big may be going on regarding the Trump's administration's involvement with Russia and the American people need to know about it. It seems implausible and unlikely that Flynn was acting as a free agent. Mike, what's going on here? I think Congressman Schiff uh, hit the nail on the head here. Uh, The Flynn resignation really is just the tip of the iceberg. If you review what we know to be true here, we know that the intelligence community, the U.S. government intelligence community, has verified publicly that Russia interfered in the U.S. election in support of Donald Trump. They tried to help Donald Trump win the election. That we know to be true. We also know to be true that Donald Trump has made, from the campaign through today, very, very nice, cozy, warm, and fuzzy comments about Russia, about Mm -hmm. Vladimir Putin, despite overt hostility from Russia towards this country. Uh, We know now that Michael Flynn, at the time, the incoming national security advisor, had conversations with the Russian ambassador trying to reassure Russia that the new incoming administration would not retaliate against Russia for its interference in, in our, our elections, <laughs> our own elections, which, of course, were trying to help was trying to help Donald Trump. 
get elected. Uh, these are some of the things that we now know. Mm -hmm. Some of the major questions we have out there that I think we need further answers to are what kinds of contacts and conversations were had between Russian officials, Russian-backed individuals, and the Trump campaign and campaign associates last year. There are reports that there may be ongoing investigations into those questions mm -hmm. right now, and we need some serious answers to those so, questions. So, Justin, you put out a piece um, just recently that there were a number on Think Progress, if you haven't checked it out, um, the title, Michael Flynn is out, but national security experts still aren't satisfied. Yeah. What, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> so, you know, in, in your piece, why don't you just kind of share with our listeners who may not be as familiar and didn't get an opportunity to read it about some of the concerns that we're hearing from those in the national security community that are like, yeah, Flynn may be gone, but there are a number of questions that remain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Michael Flynn is now the third person that was part of Trump's campaign team that's been investigated by the FBI. So I think that's, you know, coming after Carter Page and... Um, not Manafort, but uh, Roger Stone. Stone. Mm -hmm. um, but then uh, also there was Paul Manafort, who was the campaign manager and had you know ties to pro-Russian figures in Ukraine. So when you have this many people, it's kind of a question of, okay, well, how how does this keep happening and who else might be involved? Obviously, you know, Carter Page is out, Roger Stone is out, Flynn is now out, and Manafort's been out for some time. But I think that there are still questions remain. I think these are things that people are worried about, especially when Trump is still involved in his businesses by everything that we can tell, and he hasn't released any tax returns. So there's a lot of, you know, I mean, as they say, there's there's no smoke without fire. So, so that's right. I think that's, we're kind of just looking around to see what else may be revealed in the coming days with these continued leaks. So we have some callers we're going to take. Um, it looks like our friend Kevin from Florida on line three. Kevin, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. You're on. Thank you. I uh, I just been wondering, even uh, before all this happened, with all of the signs showing that Trump had some connection to Russia, that should should he be found that uh, to be uh, an illegitimate president, uh, would we not have the right to ask for a new election since Pence himself too would be an illegitimate vice president? So uh, I'm just wondering what happens when we when, we, when it's able to be proved that Trump's involvement with Russia uh, 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 was so deep that he could not possibly be uh, left to be president. Kevin, thank you so much for your call. I mean, Mike, I think Kevin raises a, a question um, that I think a lot of people, you're starting to hear the impeachment word um, kind of thrown about. Um, there is a question about were these conversations before he became president or did this happen after and kind of what that means. Um, but I, but I just wonder, you know, how how do we gain confidence um, in, you know, this presidency and his ability to kind of negotiate with foreign leaders? Netanyahu was at the White House this morning when there are such looming questions about um, is he under the kind of pressure from Russia and potentially others? Yeah, well, I think that's exactly right. I think that there is a fundamental question that is gnawing at this president and this administration right now when it comes to national security, and that is the ties to Russia. Mm -hmm. And I think the only way that we are going to get any 
answers and any faith in this administration's ability to be a steward of U.S. national security is answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. Now, there are folks on the Hill in Congress right now who have begun to launch investigations in relevant committees in the House and the Senate into Russian hacking and interference in the election and potential ties between the Trump campaign associates and uh, Russia. But none of those investigations are thorough and comprehensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we well know, congressional committees have certain jurisdictional limits. Mm -hmm. They're limited to specific types of investigations. And so what we really need here is something like we had after Mm 9-11. We need an independent bipartisan commission that has subpoena power and that empowers individuals who are not politicians, who are experts, who have the trust of the public, to have the time, the energy, the resources necessary to really investigate this and provide the American people with some answers. So, Justin, when we come back from the break, I want to follow up on um, that point that Kevin raised about legitimacy, um, and, and Mike just alluded to that there are these House and Senate investigations taking place, but you have people like um, uh, Lindsey Graham and others like Rand Paul who are kind of casting aspersions on these investigations and how much we can actually um, find out from that. If you are just joining us, this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm in studio with Mike Fuchs, Senior Fellow at the Center for American Progress, and Justin Salhani, World Reporter at Think Progress. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great being what with you. you. We're going to close out this hour with my guest in studio, Mike Fuchs. He is the senior fellow here at the Center for American Progress. You can find him on Twitter, Mike E-H-F-U-C-H-S. Um, also joining us in studio, Justin Salhani. He's a world reporter at Think Progress. You can find him on Twitter at Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N-S-A-L-H-A-N-I. And appreciate Kevin from Florida calling in. If you want to join the conversation and get involved, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. So, Justin, before break, you know, I mentioned and you highlight in your piece Piece, um, that there are House and Senate intelligence committees who are currently investigating Russian hacking and the contacts between Trump's team and Russia during the campaign, but that there are a number of even prominent Republicans who are saying, well, I don't know if those investigations are really going to give us too much information, including Rand Paul and Lindsey Graham, among others. Um. I, I hope somebody will correct me if I'm wrong here. My understanding is that those, uh, the the investigations they're objecting to have to deal with looking deeper into Michael Flynn's uh, conversation with the Russian ambassador to the U.S. in which they discuss sanctions and, and people speculate that they, he might have said something along the lines of, 
um, don't hit back too hard on sanctions because once you know we're in power, we can we can you know, ease those or mm. yeah. So so um, I mean, obviously, you know, the House and the Senate Intelligence Committees are looking into this sort of thing, and the FBI is investigating. Supposedly, they've taken a look at this uh, dossier that that a British intelligence agent named Christopher Steele put together that was released to the public by BuzzFeed about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there is a number of things going on here, but now, yeah, I guess. The question is, how much information do they do they want to get to? I mean, um, yeah, Rand Paul came out and said, "Look, I don't think we do we do a lot of good if we investigate our own party," which, I mean, is hyperpartisan and and not good. When I think it would be nice to know probably what Michael Flynn said, just to be able to kind of see along the lines of maybe he mentioned something. Who else knows? Maybe he says mm-hmm. something along the lines of um, what he's reporting back, and so we can figure out how much. Uh, pe- other people in the administration know. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely an issue that's that's up in the air, and that's going to be. It seems like it's partisan at the moment, unfortunately. But um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we can find out. And, more. and Mike, it seems like uh, Nunez, who's the House Chair of Intelligence, has has said, actually, I don't I don't want to look at the Russia issue. I want to look at the leaks. And I'm like, am I in a different time zone or space portal? <laughs> Somebody, let me know what's going on. You're not. You're in the uh, administration of Donald J. Trump. Okay. All right. Um, Thank you. I'm back here. I think that Nunez uh, and clearly some others are trying to follow the White House's lead here and turn the attention from the ties this administration has to Russia and the unanswered questions about that to a witch hunt Mm -hmm. uh, into the U.S. government and the intelligence community, which... President Trump has been really attacking mm-hmm. um, even before he uh, took the oath of office. But I think that the real question in the investigations that are ongoing on the Hill right here is whether or not they will actually produce answers to these questions. Again, mm-hmm. right now what you've got is intelligence community committees primarily looking at specific aspects of this. And the problem there is that, again, they're stovepiped. They're only going to look at particular aspects mm. of it. A lot of the work that intelligence communities do is classified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you cannot be assured that when they finalize their report that the American people will know the real answers to these questions, um, which is why we need this independent commission. But as these commission committees go along in their investigations, we'll be able to hold them to account, I think, when we see who are they calling to testify? Are they doing so under oath? Are they doing so publicly? Mm-hmm. What kinds of answers are they getting along the way? Those are some of the ways. That so wh- whose responsibility is it to to put forth the commission? Like, is, does is that fall on Mitch McConnell? Is that the White House? How, how does the funding mechanism work for these independent commissions? Well, it's legislation. Okay. Um, and so it needs to be passed by both houses mm-hmm. of Congress and signed by the president, which in the current environment with the current personalities seems admittedly like a long shot Mm -hmm. but you need you have legislation that has already been introduced in the house Mm. um, by a number of democratic members Mm -hmm. calling for exactly this sort of commission Mm -hmm. Um, you have i think responsible leaders on both sides of the aisle so far calling for the need for a thorough investigation the question now is how best uh to get there, and I believe that this legislation is the best way to do it. So, you know, one of the questions 
that I have for you, Justin, is, you know, recently we saw, um, again, our president using his favorite uh, m- means of communicating, Twitter, uh, where he actually attacked you, the media, <laughs> for your role in bringing this story forth and, you know, talked about how honorable uh, Michael Flynn is. And, of course, we thank him for his service to this country. But there there definitely was this attack on the media for even bringing this to light. I mean, how how do you do your job in this environment where there's this constant um, kind of creation of the media as the boogeyman? I had the same way you do your job every day. I mean, this is Trump said this on multiple occasions. Steve Bannon said this. Um, And I think it's become pretty clear. And I've talked to a number of scholars that study things like authoritarianism. And this is how an autocrat tries to rule. They try to paint the media as as an opposition to delegitimize them, you know, play with the truth so that it has no meaning. Um, And, I mean, for people in the media, you just kind of have to keep reporting and keep doing it. You know, it's about, it's a a long, it's a long game. Mm -hmm. And I think with consistency and continuing to, you know, build up trust over time and showing that here's the truth and we're kind of unshaken whether he says X or Y and we don't take it personally and we just kind of get on with our jobs. I think that's the best way to handle it. But, you know, how, how as we continue to kind of find ourselves segmenting kind of the information and facts, I mean, you know, we, we all laugh and joke at Kellyanne Conway's alternative facts, um, but this administration seems like it is operating truly under this kind of idea that what they say is the truth. And, like, how do you teach people that that's actually not the case? Uh, get on Fox News or Breitbart, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, the there's been a lot reported mm-hmm. about how divided the country is, and mm-hmm. that includes media with our social media bubbles, with what mm-hmm. we see on Facebook. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's a, I would bet a good percentage of the country that gets their news based on memes, mm-hmm. and this is you know sad for people like me, but. I mean, that's the way it is. <laughs> like for actual reporters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if, if all my stories could be six words and just on top of a photo, that would make my life a lot easier, but it doesn't work <laughs> that way. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, again, like you kind of have to keep at it, and, and it's not going to be seen everywhere, but mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, obviously it's platforms like Facebook are working at trying to get across this. And I think, again, trying to report fairly and honestly and truthfully is the best way to do it because um, – yeah, I don't know. You just have to hope that you're going to eventually hit the mark in, in my if mind. If you're just joining us, this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show in studio with Mike Fuchs and Justin Salhani. So, Mike, similarly, we've seen kind of the same attacks on the intelligence community. Um, we find out frequently that there is little contact with the State Department before international um, conversations with diplomats and leaders. Um, you know, as a former State Department uh, um, senior official what does that mean for you as you think about our foreign um, policy yeah well the ramifications uh, are so widespread that it's very it's really difficult to actually uh, understand the totality Mm -hmm. of them Um, I think first and foremost right now the questions about this administration's ties to Russia and its basic outlook on foreign policy are 
raising serious questions in the minds of allies and partners in the United States around the world. Um, that is a serious problem right now. Uh, the second is the dysfunction and level of chaos in the White House right now. Mm -hmm. You hear stories repeatedly about how decisions are made. Obviously, the firing of the National Security Advisor in the first month is not a good sign. <laughs> um, and the ability of the U.S. government to manage high-level crises like a North Korean ballistic missile mm -hmm. test uh, mm -hmm. over the weekend uh, and other things is done by these officials who are in senior positions throughout the U.S. government. And those are sending very, very disturbing signals, I think, about the ability of the United States right now to deal with national security crises. And the final comment I would make is that the people that President Trump, unfortunately, are attacking the intelligence professionals, the diplomats and others are the people who frankly give up their lives here to serve our country for their entire career in these jobs. They're the ones who are manning the fort. That's right. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show in studio with Justin Salhani and Mike Fuchs talking all things foreign policy. Uh, time went by too fast, but we'll definitely have to have you both back on. This is Michelle Jawando. Thank you for listening. Stay informed. Follow smart people who do their work honestly and with integrity. And we'll be back next week. To women who hoped to evade the ticking clock of time, Dr. Frederick Brandt was the most potent drug dealer in the world. And the dealer got high on his own supply. From Imperative Entertainment and the team behind Broken Hearts comes a new series that will challenge everything you know about fame, fortune, and the fear of growing old. I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox.